All right, so like day 20 of our fast. So that was on a Saturday, if you don't remember that. Sure, for many of you, that's etched into your brains for a while. So Saturday, two weeks ago, um, actually had a pretty uh, frightening thing happen to me uh, on that Saturday morning. So every Friday night, uh, usually in the evening, I get my alarm all set really early for Saturday so I can uh, get up early on Saturday morning and come in and just devote my whole day to prepping for Sunday. I turn my alarm on. I turn my ringers off, all my notifications. I put my phone basically on airplane mode. My wife's the only one who can contact me so that I can just come and dig into the word and be present with the Lord and just focus on what he wants to say to our congregation and for our church for Sunday. And I just spend Saturdays with the Lord. And so that Saturday morning, a couple weeks ago, I got up, my alarm went off at like 5, 5, 5.30 is usually what time I get up. Um, and first thing I did, I went downstairs, you know, we got a wood stove, we got to keep the house warm, it's been stupid cold. And uh, I go downstairs, stoke, you know, get, gather up some kindling, start stoking the fire, I bend down and start blowing on the kindling and it ignites and so I stand up. And I stood up too quick and I got really dizzy. And then I completely lost my vision. And it was kind of scary. Like it lasted for a little while. Like I didn't panic at first. I was like, oh, I've gotten dizzy and not been able to see straight before. Like uh, I, have, I have a testimony and a history, so um, we won't get into that. But uh, my vision didn't come back right away, okay? And so I'm standing there with this uh, fire starting to blaze next to me uh, in the wood stove, and I'm completely blind for probably only like 30 seconds, uh, maybe close to a minute, It was definitely long enough that I was like starting to get a little worried. I was like, Lord, please, like, don't, Lord, please, this can't be happening, can it? Like, this this isn't real. Uh, And just when I was about to start feeling my way up the stairs and calling out to my wife to come and help me, uh, my vision like slowly started to come back. It's kind of scary. And vision is important. It's, it's vital. And vision is something that we can in our lives take for granted until we lose it. And likewise, vision for our life, vision for our families, for our congregation, uh, vision for our involvement personally and corporately with our community, vision for the life of our church. It's it's also very important. It's something that we have to revisit. We have to reflect on from time to time uh, for ourselves personally and for our church. And vision needs to be spoken out probably much more often than I've actually made a habit of doing so that we know where we're going. Because, you know, simply just showing up on a Sunday morning in a church building 
And simply just showing up in, in this environment and hearing a biblical message and singing songs to Jesus, that is not what your Christian life is all about. The life of a disciple of Jesus is about so much more than just showing up in a church on Sunday. It's Sunday morning gatherings are a small fraction of what Jesus calls us into. So today in part two of our Vision Sunday, I get to talk to you about where and how I believe that God is calling our little piece of Church on the Rock to go forward in this year, in 2024, in the years to come. And I'm calling this message Forward in Faith to 2024 and Beyond. Buzz Lightyear, close, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all right, it's, kids, don't, don't cringe too much. She's got grandkids, she knows. She, she just forgot, it's okay. So last week, Pastor Johnny Walker, he was up on the screen and he had you all on the edge of your seats wondering if your pastor too was going to be moving on. Uh, and though I do think that maybe uh, by the end of our service, we found our succession plan with the three young pastors that came up and prayed over Bree. Um, what, what, yeah, good, good job, guys. Give those boys a hand. And... You know, Peyton wasn't involved in that, but he's been like my little disciple out there, um, greeting everybody in the mornings and leading our kids' song. Peyton, you've been doing such a great job. I really appreciate all the help, and you are an awesome young man of the Lord. Thank you. So... Jonathan was lining out uh, in re the restructuring of his role as lead pastor and all of the th and some of the things that would be offloaded onto Pastor Jonathan Garland and Walker detailed uh, about how our friend uh, Josh O'Donnell, he's going to be succeeding Pastor Chris Miller at the Palmer campus and how Paul Sliwa, he's going to be uh, succeeding Jonathan Walker at the Wasilla campus in that campus pastor role and how John Aho would be succeeding Pastor Dr. Dale Shillington at our Willow campus. And all of these plans, uh, I can tell you, we've labored over them in prayer. And we believe that this is a direction that God is bringing Church on the Rock for the days to come. And I've been part over the last several months, I've been part of so many pastors and elders meetings where we've labored over these things in discussion, we've labored over these things in prayer, and all of these secessions, I can tell you, uh, without a doubt, there's a very strong feeling shared throughout the leadership of Church on the Rock that these are all, uh, that these successions that are happening, uh, that are, they're going to make way for all four of our campuses to be led by relatively young men, I'm still a little young, uh, with vision and energy, some days, uh, to carry uh, the church into the next season. Uh, and in this next season, it's going to bring, we believe, a level of unity throughout the church that we have not had before. And unity across our campuses that we hope and believe is going to lay the groundwork for greater vision and greater ministry uh, to be done throughout our church and in the communities that we serve, as well as create, we hope and believe, a greater unity within the body of Christ at large here in our valley. And 
hopefully even beyond that. And we should remember this season. We should think back on this season in the months and the years to come. Uh, We should look back and reflect on what God is doing here at our campus and in our church at large in the days ahead. And we should marvel, hopefully, at what God is doing and what he is going to continue to do. It's actually, it's a natural, it's a good thing that we reflect back on seasons in our lives. There's actually a principle echoed throughout all of scripture that we should, that God God instructs us to reflect on and tell the stories of our testimony. Tell the stories of where he has shown up and shown off and given us goodness in seasons of our lives. Uh, when God, when he was about to lead Moses and the slave nation of Israel out of Egypt, he told Moses uh, right before the eighth plague uh, was cast upon Egypt, said, go approach Pharaoh again. And God said to Moses, go approach Pharaoh again, that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson, so that the further generations can hear and know about this, how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. And all throughout scripture, God says, tell of the things that I've done so that people know that I am the Lord. So people had the testimony of how I've shown up and shown off for you and your generation and how I will take care of the future generations. And a few chapters later, um, when God through Moses institutes the first Passover, God tells Moses to continue every year, make it a tradition that you observe the Passover so that every year the people could be reminded of God's miraculous rescue when he brought his people out of the land of Egypt, when he brought them out of slavery in Egypt. And at the beginning of every new year, and maybe, maybe it's around your birthday, maybe it's around your anniversary, Murray, I don't know. If you, you know that date, right? All right, good. Often for me, I find myself doing this several times a year. I, I have these little living memorial stones in my life. Every year around uh, when, when, my, when we're celebrating the birth of our children, when we're celebrating their birthdays, I find myself thinking back and reflecting on the season of life that my wife and I were in uh, when every one of our kids were born, the, the, the difficulties that we were navigating in our marriage and our life when God blessed us with these sweet kids. Uh, I think about the hardships that we had to face and how the goodness of God kept showing up. And every, every time we come to one of their birthdays, I just praise him and I Thank him for blessing us with these, with these kids. It's natural for us. It's good that we reflect and we consider the places where we've been and where God is taking us. It's healthy for us to do this in all aspects of our lives. Like intellectually, where, where you've come in your education, uh, where you've come physically in your life, spiritually, that is, is probably the most important place. Uh, where, where you've come socially, Think about what has happened in your life. Where have you been? What, what is, what's the trajectory you are currently on in your life? 
Does your weekly routine, does your lifestyle, is it, is it something that's moving you forward in the direction that God is calling you? Are you currently on a path to becoming the man or the woman that God has called and created you to be? Are you there right now? Is there a shift that maybe needs to happen in your life? Do you have a clear vision for the days ahead for yourself personally and for your family? See, sometimes in life when when we hear a verse about future plans, when we, when, we, when we hear somebody telling us that, hey, you need to make a plan, you need to have vision, you need to go somewhere. When we hear a piece of this verse, like this one that we have in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish, that can feel like a death sentence. Like, like, like I, I think back on early in our marriage, like I had... I had some dreams. I had some aspirations. I had a future destiny that I was scared to walk after. I didn't know how to go after it. And I didn't believe that I was actually worthy of where God was calling us, where he was calling me and what he wanted me to do with my life. Sometimes there's a vision that the Lord has given us. and We just don't know how we could possibly get there. And we find ourselves at times maybe just drifting without actually making strides towards the destination. And, we're, and in those seasons, we're blown about by every wind of change. And we can find ourselves getting stuck in ruts or we can get caught up in a routine that loses its meaning. Even in the midst of, you may have a very wonderful and meaningful life, but you could lose sight of your purpose. You could lose sight of the passion that God is giving you and the destination he wants you to go on if you aren't making strides towards Towards that, if you aren't purposeful in the steps you're taking, sometimes we find ourselves in this season where we feel like we are doomed because we lack vision or we lack the skills to walk into the vision that the Lord has given us. But there's good news. This isn't where God wants to leave us. This is where God actually wants us to get stuck and he wants to help us get out of those ruts. And this isn't the whole verse. The entire proverb, it actually says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now now this verse, it's from a section in the Proverbs Uh, that are actually just a big collection of individual Proverbs. And this section of the Proverbs is mostly just standalone sayings. And so there's not a lot of immediate context in this chapter other than the majority of the Proverbs in chapter 29 do deal with leadership. So without that greater context of the meaning of this proverb, it it leaves us to primarily have to decipher the meaning of this proverb from itself. Now, now, some of the proverbs, and this one does this, it contains certain poetic device where the second half actually modifies and expands the meaning of the first half. So in this case, law, it means to clarify what vision is referring to. And perish, it contrasts with keeping. And so with that in mind, maybe we could paraphrase this to say that those who aren't shown God's way, 
They won't live God's way. And they won't be happy and they will die. But wait, there's more. We can go deeper with this. See this, the Hebrew word used here in this verse for vision is shazon. I get that right? I know you know. I, I, didn't, I didn't do the translation where it spoke to me on this one. I'm pretty sure it's shazon, which means something more like there's more to it than just vision. It means something more like a revelation from God that is spoken or written prophetically. This is calling something out that is not currently there that God intends for us to have there. The word for law refers to the Torah, which is the first five books of the, of the scripture, but Oftentimes it's referring to even more of the scripture when it's used. Here it's referring to God's written instruction to us uh, through scripture. And on the surface, these two words together, it alludes to the law and the prophets, which was all of the scripture that had been written up to this point of this Proverbs writings. But this also highlights the need for spirit-inspired prophets, pastors, and teachers to proclaim, exhort, and instruct God's people from his word. Most of the time that we actually hear, or at least for me, I can say this with confidence, most of the time that I hear Proverbs 29, 18 read or used in a teaching or a sermon, it's from the King James Version. Now, I don't have any problem with King Jimmy. Uh, it's actually, his translation was the first translation that I ever used. I still use it when I'm studying. Um, I still have several verses memorized in, the King, in King Jimmy's version. But when it comes to this specific verse, this verse loses a lot of its intended meaning in the King James Version. Let's look at how the English Standard Version translates this verse. English Standard Version tells us, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. So here we clearly see that a blessed and happy life does not come by casting off restraint and running wild or translated perish in the KJV, but by keeping the law, by following the divine instructions that are given to us that require, and this requires prophetic vision. This requires us to be in God's word and to be hearing what should be called forth in our community. If you want to live a blessed life, you should not worry about whether or not you're achieving your own personal life goals and dreams. You should not worry about chasing the American dream and you should not beat yourself up if your vision for life isn't always exactly clear because it's okay. You won't actually die. Instead, what you should do in those times is, and what you can do today is resolve to find yourself in God's word. 
Resolve to plant yourself in the word of God. Resolve to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Resolve to seek first his face and be part of a fellowship where a God-centered vision for life is faithfully called forth. Where a God-centered vision for life is proclaimed. And I'm not saying that we as leaders of Church on the Rock always get this perfect. I know that I myself don't always get this perfect. I don't always get it right. But I can tell you that we as pastors of the church take it seriously. I can tell you that I do take it seriously. And I am often reflecting on how I can improve, how I can modify my approach. But I'm certain in what I tell you now that in this season of our church, in this season of our congregation here in Talkeetna, that God is calling us to go in some specific directions. Where God is calling the Talkeetna campus, he is calling us upward in our worship of him. In this past season, as we've been celebrating who God has been in our lives, as we've been drawing deeper in our reverence for who he is, and and as we've set aside time to seek him more intentionally corporately and to seek his face uh, in our nights of prayer and worship, God has been stirring some things up. God has been moving in many of our lives. And I've seen the dread. I've felt the dread. I've heard the dread in your voices that some of you have because you think that, well, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, that's ended. And so this movement of God's spirit in my life personally and in our body, it's going to come to an end too. But you know, our goal from the very beginning of this season was to set out time from the beginning of the year uh, to experience the Lord more deeply, not for just a few weeks, but to build that pattern in our life. The, the goal of our 21 days of this corporate fast was to develop a pattern in our life individually and corporately for seeking God's face to develop more intimacy with God in our lives personally. God is calling us upward in our worship of him, in our celebration and our reverence and our praise of him and who we know him to be. The Lord is calling us to go deeper in our spiritual growth and in the way that we serve one another and the way that we serve our community. And one of the foundational pieces of this is continuing to establish this place as a house of prayer. And I know we began these, uh, the, our Wednesday morning prayer times. Uh, we began them just before the 21 days of prayer and fasting began. And I was like, oh man, I wish I would have been able to start this sooner because everybody's going to think that we're just doing this for three weeks and then it's going to be over, but it's not. Uh, in fact, this past Wednesday, I wasn't feeling good. I had a terrible head cold and folks still, we still had like 10 people show up to seek the Lord's face for this community and for this church in that time. People are hungry to meet with the Lord. People are hungry to see God's face. 
for this place, to, to experience God's will for this church. And if you can be here on Wednesday mornings from 11 to noon, please come. Uh, we have a great time together and we seek the Lord together for this body and for this community. And I know that's like right in the middle of the day. Not everybody can be there and that's totally okay. But if you can come, you should come. Something that I'm also convinced we should continue that we did during our 21 days is the establishment of a regular rhythm of our prayer and worship nights. Uh, that isn't going to be something that I think we should just do for this 21 days every year. In this next season, we're going to start by gathering for prayer and worship two Sunday nights a month for the next three or four months. I'm going to hopefully have that schedule printed and posted for all of you by next Sunday. But my hope, my expectation is that our nights of prayer and worship they will actually become a weekly, regular rhythm in our church. There will be a weekly event that we hopefully can build into. But when we gather like that, there's more effort that has to go out to create the environment that we want for that allotted time. So if you love that time, if you value that time, if you believe that God is calling us to do that and make that a regular part of our weekly rhythm, like I believe, then I need you to consider saying, yes, I will help make sure that happens. Because like Wednesday morning, I won't always be there to make sure things happen, especially when there's weekly events. Sometimes I get sick or sometimes I want to take my family on a trip. We need more reliable leaders to emerge to carry the burden for the vision for that time. When we are willing to selflessly serve the body, we display our commitment to loving one another. In John 13, 35, Jesus told his disciples just after he had lowered himself, the creator of the universe, to the lowest place of a servant, to the lowest place of a slave for that time. He told his disciples, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When we follow the example of Jesus, when we deny ourselves, when we serve one another at the lowest point of need, when we open ourselves up to serving whatever needs there are that need to be met. We lift up Jesus. And when Jesus is exalted in a place, he will draw all kinds of people to himself. So when we choose to sacrificially love those around us, we strengthen the body of Christ. God is also calling us inward in relationship and unity. Not in word and selfishness, but in relationship and unity. Not relationship with ourself selfishly, but relationship with each other. We are in a position right now where we are a campus that is actually adding a lot of value to Church on the Rock. We are right now being trendsetters for our church at large. Like, you know how many uh, of the other pastors wish they had an intern? And I went ahead and started an internship program. 
If you didn't already know, uh, I should probably tell you this now, Dylan and Emily, they are certain that they will be leaving us. They have a heart for their church back in Kenai. So when the internship is over in April, they're going to be gone. But that doesn't mean that it was a failure. That actually means that they have some vision and direction for this time. And it has still been a huge win for us and them. They have uh, both seized opportunities to grow uh, that have come at them head on. And they've both added great value to our body here in Talkeetna over the last four months. And they have helped us build a framework for continued success with youth, youth ministry. And they're going to leave here more equipped for the life and ministry that God is calling them into. And they have us behind them praying into that and wanting to support them in that. Right, church? Yes. And so hopefully... Uh, also, this March, when Alaska Bible Institute brings us up another group of students for their annual spring break mission trip, hopefully, maybe there will be another student or maybe two uh, that want to seize the opportunity to come and intern here next winter. And hopefully we can be a mutual blessing to one another as we give them practical ministry experience and they help us to take a step forward in the ministry that we are able to provide our community. And just so you have the heads up, when those students come here in March from ABI, uh, currently they're planning to bring two teams, uh, two different teams of students. One team is eager to just show up and do some manual labor, hallelujah. Uh, man, how many young adults you know that want to do manual labor? They are excited to come and cut down trees and help people with firewood and maybe even do a little bit of snow shoveling if there is a need. And the other team, uh, we are hoping they are going to be able to do a VBS outreach to the community of Trapper Creek. It's been, yes, yes. Somebody's excited. So it's been huge on my heart to begin to find a way, find different ways that we could outreach our surrounding communities, not just the community of Talkeetna. And so Dylan is currently helping me work out the details for that week. If you've got some ideas, if you want to give him a hand, because he's actually doing the heavy lift on that, uh, please let him know. Um, if you are in need of firewood, stay alert for more info to come on how you can get that. And if you are in need of having some snow shoveled, let Dylan or myself know, and we will get you on a list for getting some help with that. Uh, this weekend, this weekend, we are going to be launching. This is our next step in setting some trends for Church on the Rock. This weekend, we're going to be launching our first campus uh, e equipping of the Renew Alaska Wholeness Ministry. And Josh O'Donnell, he's going to be here Friday night and all day Saturday teaching that. And I'm also working on a plan for another time of equipping. Hopefully, that's going to happen later this spring. I've invited my good friend, Skip Bauer socks to come up from Homer to come and and to teach us a discipleship model that he and a few other insanely gifted uh, teachers put together a few years ago. 
And I'm certain that this will be an incredible blessing uh, to our campus, to our church, and to our community. Uh, so we have an internship track. Uh, we're doing equipping. Uh, we're equipping our people with Renew Alaska. We want to equip you with uh, new tools for intentional discipleship making. These are all things that our church as a whole has talked about. And there has been a call to push in this direction, but we're doing it. We're setting the bar here for our church as a whole in these areas. And if you will make the commitment to participate, if you will see the value in showing up and getting equipped with these tools, uh, these tools will help to bring others in our community to a place where they are finding freeness freeness and wholeness in their lives. If you will set aside the time to be equipped with the tools to become more intentional disciple, disciple makers, then we will as a church take a huge step forward in the ways that we are currently fulfilling the Great Commission. It will result in our personal transformation more into the image and likeness of Jesus and the way that we are bringing about the transformative power of Jesus out into our community. Personally, myself, I'm preparing uh, in March to start a four-month class uh, to further my own education so I can continue to grow as a spiritual leader. And I have great expectations uh, as I seek the Lord and seek becoming more of a friend with the Lord and to develop uh, my uh, to develop my skills and growing in my own giftings that I'm going to be able to, after this time or during this time, be able to better come alongside you and help you develop in your giftings. And in doing this, I hope it's my expectation that we take a huge leap forward when we launch into our small groups this winter, this next winter. And I'm currently working on a plan to develop and equip some leaders throughout this next coming summer uh, with the expectation that at the end of the summer, they launch out and they lead their own small group. God is, he's also calling us to continue the work that we've been at, to continue going outward to the lonely, to continue seeking the lost, to continue to bring in to relationship the looking. I have great hope that in this next year, uh, we will continue to take steps forward in increasing our personal community engagement and our effectiveness in serving our community through our outreaches and in our capacity to invite our friends and neighbors not to church, like that, that would be an awesome step, but what we need to invite them into, what we need to be intentional to invite our friends and neighbors into is to begin their own relationship with the gospel we need to introduce them as the individual to the gospel and to Jesus Christ as Lord himself. The first step in our personal and individual effort to be involved in the community is you intentionally going out and being a shining light for Jesus in your career, in taking your children to the library or the lake, in the ways that you can go out and personally invest in our community. 
I believe wholeheartedly that if we do less as an organized church, it will actually increase our ability to influence our community towards Jesus. Like Sunday morning service, Sunday night prayer and worship, and then one night a week where you're involved in some sort of small group, whether that's uh, set, you know your kids in youth group, junior high and high school youth group, or you're doing SOMA, or you're involved in a home group. We shouldn't try to do more than that. We should try to keep our church programs simple. We should not have a church program clogging up every night of the week. Some of you have families that you need to be intentional with. And then on the other nights of the week, you need to be out in the community shining the light of Jesus there. The community needs you, the individual Christian, to just go and be involved in it. You need to be the subversive agent for the gospel in the community. You need to go and be salt and light in the community. That's what the world needs. The lonely, the lost, and the looking, they're not going to be found often here in our church. We got to go out there to find them. Now, we're going to continue. We're going to do weekends where we set aside a time to do equipping. And we're going to set aside some time that we collectively come together and we go out and we do outreaches as a body. But your personal investment, your personal involvement in the community, that is where relationships that can be leveraged for the gospel, that is where those are built. This is how the people of God infiltrate the community and transform it. You need to go and live your transformed life in the community. And for the past several months, I've been uh, reevaluating, thinking over and talking with our ministry leaders and trying to make plans that we can do better community outreaches. Uh, instead of our outreaches, I feel like so often our outreaches are inreaches where we're inviting people to come into the building. And I think over the past uh, over the past few years, we've done a lot of work uh, to build trust in the community. Like even if Church on the Rock had trust in the community, me coming in as a new pastor, I did not. And I had to put the work in to build trust in the community. And I believe that taking that time to build trust has opened up more opportunities for us to be able to be out in the community and do outreach. And I've started conversations that we might move uh, the location of our community Thanksgiving meal into a community building rather than doing that here in our church. Now, I, I'm not opposed at all to inviting people in here to the church for that event, but I've noticed mostly it's church people that show up to that event. It's a lot less people from our community that might need that, that show up. And if it's just people in the body that need a place to go for Thanksgiving, we can take care of that amongst ourselves by just being invitational and knowing what our, our friends and our neighbors and the people in our congregation need. We don't have to expend the effort to host a huge event if it is not intentionally reaching out to our community. Those resources and that effort, it could be directed towards some other form of outreach. But I think 
And we're going to try it this year. We're going to try and change the location. And it's something that is worth trying uh, before we decide to lay that outreach to rest. Because there could be a real opportunity to build bridges into and serve our community that we might be able to tap into with changing the location. Uh, our Live at Five outreach, it's had a lot of positive community response. Our Impact Alaska Community Service Sunday, it's been uh, so far well-received. Um, our, an our annual cemetery cleanup, it's been a staple for a long time, far beyond me uh, as, as a blessing to the community. Uh, but I'm certain that these outreaches can be much more impactful than they currently are. I think that in the last couple years, uh, we have done well with laying some groundwork. We have a good foundation. We know what we are doing with those. But we have a lot of skills. We have a lot of tools here in our body that have so far gone untapped for those outreaches. Our Impact Alaska Sun Sunday can and should be so much more than us just picking up trash along the spur road and doing spring cleanup for some of the places in our community. And I'm not dogging on those projects. I think those projects are good. I think we should not abandon them, but I think we can increase the, our ability to serve our community in those few hours on a Sunday. We have the skills and tools here in our body that we can make a much greater impact in our community than we currently are. And, but we need to pray into that. We need to be lifting up these outreaches in prayer much more than we are. We need more people in our congregation to say yes I have a vision for how we can serve our community in these ways on these days for these outreaches. We need to show up in full force uh, for all of those outreaches, understanding that a rake and a shovel, a meal, a bounce house, popcorn, those are all just tools to get us, the follower of Jesus, in front of people who need to know Jesus. We have to show up prepared to be led by the Spirit to do more than just be a positive person with a smiling face handing out a free bag of popcorn on a day. We need to show up to serve the community, but we need to also show up prepared to share the, the life-transforming truth of the gospel. We need to be ready to tell the people that we encounter of the goodness of God. And you get to pray into that. You get to ask the Lord right now and in the days ahead, Lord, show me how I can be involved in this. And you get to make the offer. Nobody's going to tell you, you must do this. You get to decide how you give yourself away. You get to decide how you participate in advancing the kingdom of God. And these are all things that I am certain God is calling us towards. 
Besides my regular preaching and teaching, besides counseling and leading this body, these are the areas that I'm certain God is calling me to be expending my greatest efforts towards in this coming year. But there are also, there's also some other things that some of you might remember that I think God is calling us to go after. There's some projects that I think God is calling us towards. And these projects, they build on each other and hopefully they can create revenue and more ministry opportunities for more projects and more ministry to be done and create more value for our community and advance God's kingdom in a greater capacity here in our communities. And I believe these projects, I believe that they could open the door for greater ministry to happen right here. And what I've already laid out to you this morning, what I've already told you about, that might seem like a lot to you. And for one person, for five or six people, it is a lot. But for this congregation, especially when it's not cold and snowy outside and everybody shows up, for this congregation, working in unity, contending for unity, seeking God's face together, seeking to love one another well, seeking to see the best in one another, seeking first his kingdom, seeking first his righteousness. None of these things are are too impossible for God. And the bigger projects that I believe that God is calling us into, they're nothing that a little bit of faith can't drive forward. You've heard me allude to and try to cast vision in the past for one day having a gym here on our property, having an early learning center, having a a thrift store and a coffee shop, all of these things that I believe these things could be in our future. I can see the Lord right now uh, moving things, orchestrating things, uh, positioning different people and different things for these projects to be brought forth into reality. But these things are actually all secondary to the spiritual growth that we are called to be collectively taking in this, in this day and the days ahead. And next week is we're going to launch into a sermon series on Ecclesiastes. And I'm also going to speak towards those pieces of the vision for our campus, uh, these projects and how these ventures, they could, it's possible, they could increase our ability to do ministry here in the Northern Susitna Valley. And I know, I'm well aware that I've failed to properly lay out some of that vision in the past because I always feel like I'm just running out of time. And I've never given you the full plan and the full picture to really uh, be able to consider if this is something that God is calling us as a body to chase after, or is this just chasing after the wind? So I feel the pressure of that failure uh, to articulate that vision well. So come back next week for part two of the Talkeetna campus vision and also part one of our series in Ecclesiastes. But for today, if you see the value in establishing this place as a house of prayer and lifting up Jesus by committing to love and serve one another sacrificially in building unity throughout our church by setting trends and raising the bar for ministry, 
By us growing spiritually through the commitment to getting into smaller groups and getting personally engaged in our community and making our outreach more than just being nice to the community, but seeking to transform the community by reaching out as the hands and feet of Jesus with the truth of the gospel and the testimony of how the goodness of God has transformed our lives. If you want to see the transformation in your life, if you want to see transformation in this church and in our surrounding communities And I want to invite you to stop stop what you're doing right now. Earnestly seek the Lord in prayer over these things. Continue to seek the Lord's face for his will to be done here in this place. Prayerfully consider the depth of which God may be calling you to partner with the vision. If we join together, empowered by God's grace, if we rise together in worship, united in purpose, and extend ourselves in love, as we boldly embrace the vision that God is giving us, faith will go forward in our community in 2024 and beyond. Buzz Lightyear, not Star Wars. If you believe that can be true of this place, If you're ready to go after that, let's mark this occasion. Worship team, you can come on up. Let's mark this occasion with an act of unity by sharing communion together. So I want you to come forward and receive the elements during this song of worship. And then we will take communion together. Amen. I just wanted to share. Uh... I don't often get, you know, audible words from the Lord or anything, but often I feel like God really gives me impressions uh, in pictures, in my in a, in a picture. And um, <clears throat> as Cody was preaching about us, you know, going throughout the community and and loving people and making these, you know, real relationships with people, I saw like, you know, veins in your arm and veins in your body that, um, you know, there's like that main stalk and then there's like a little tree off of that. And then there's like a little tree off of that vein and how it just kind of like continues and like, um, the, it's, uh, it like explodes into how many veins there are or even like the roots of a tree, you know, there's like that main, but then there's just like all these fingers off of the roots and off of those roots. And I feel like that's, that's what we are as we go into this community and I actually wrote down exactly what he said about take your kids to the, to the sledding hill, the library, you know, where, wherever you are in our community, the fruits of the spirit are just going to naturally come out of you. We, we carry the presence of God within us, whether we, are trying to show it or not. You don't have to, you don't have to thump your Bible and do that, you know? It just naturally comes out of us with with the fruits of the Spirit, the way that you handle, you know, when the the cashier gets your change wrong at Cubbies or whatever, the way that you handle that speaks louder than words. And um, I just really believe that that's our church. Our church, as it goes into the community of Talkeetna, Caswell, this whole area, that we are just these veins and this explosion of of carrying um, light, you know, in veins, they cut, they carry oxygen. Blood carries oxygen and life and, and roots carry nutrients. So I just, I prophesy that over our church that 
We are carrying life and nutrients and the love of Christ that has never been seen here before in Jesus' name. And I really believe that, so. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You are so good, God. as we worship the Lord today. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. You gain hope, you restore every heart that is broken. earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry as these bones will sing. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Come on. It's your breath in our lungs, 
Received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that on the <clears throat> that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul proclaimed, as often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the, the Lord's Supper, this act of communion, it should unify us in the vision to be a body of believers who are resolute in proclaiming the power of the gospel to transform our lives. And how Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it can transform a church, and it can transform a community, and it can bring transformation throughout the world. The Lord's Supper should unify us in seeking God's face together. And just, just because our 21 days of prayer and fasting is over, it doesn't mean that we stop seeking God. We don't ever, as his disciples, stop seeking his face. And now is the time to pray. Now is the time to consider these plans and God's plans. And if, if these are God's plans, then we should be collectively bought in to what we believe that God is doing here. If God is, if he's really stirred something up in this past season, then it, if it's authentic, then it doesn't have to end. We, we may be moving on from a mountaintop experience, but that doesn't mean it's the end of something. I do believe that we are only beginning something that is special. We are only beginning the next move that the Lord wants to do here in our congregation. That We are only beginning the next move of God here in Talkeetna. And just because our corpus corporate fast has ended, it doesn't mean that we forget the patterns of prayer that we have developed in this past season. You should have, you should have had it revealed to you that you need to continue to seek first his kingdom. You need to continue to seek first his righteousness. You already know, I'm sure, that our community experienced a great tragedy this week. 
Our community needs us to be the body of Christ. It needs us to go out and bring healing, to bring relief, to bring aid, to bring love, to bring hope. Tragedies will always come into our lives. In this world, you will have trouble. And that trouble will attempt to blow us off course. But we don't let that stop us from seeking the face of the Lord. We don't let the myth, it being in the midst of a difficulty and a trial and a season of turmoil stop us from seeking God and his will. No, when we find ourselves, when we are around others who are in the valley in the shadow of death, we know that God promises that he will be there with us, especially when we no longer find ourselves being on that mountaintop, having those mountaintop experiences, we must be resolute to seek first his kingdom, to seek first his righteousness, all the more in those seasons. You have to continue to find time, create places in your life to fast, create places in your life to seek his face, praise him for who he is, share his goodness to those around you. Share his goodness with the people that you encounter. Let's sing our praises and our worship to God this morning. Let's, let's get a little louder. <laughs> let's raise our hallelujah right now to the Lord. Let's thank him for the vision. Let's entrust the plans that he has shared with us back to him. And let's trust him to lead us well in this next season. Yes. Thank you, Father.